What does it really mean to build a personal brand? For some folks, it's about slick logos and corporate professionalism. For Kim and Chavi of Team Diva Real Estate in Seattle, it's all about the community, fun, and the occasional drag queen. Kim and Chavi have created an unforgettable brand that's made Team Diva a Seattle institution, and they back it all up with a proven track record. They're top producers in their Coldwell Banker Bain affiliate. They've been included in Inman News 100's most influential real estate leaders list, and they teach courses in digital marketing in Seattle and across the country. In this interview, the divas give us their views on building your real estate brand, the benefits of working through a recession, and the pros of being partners both in business and in life. This is Chris Smith. And I'm Jimmy Mackin. I'm Marguerite Chaguerre. And I'm Ann Jones. I'm Kim Colapretti with Team Diva Real Estate. And I'm Chavi Home. And you're listening to the Marketing Genius Podcast. Welcome to the Marketing Genius Podcast, where we take you behind the scenes with the most brilliant real estate professionals and brands to uncover the latest digital marketing tools and tricks for your online arsenal. Now, here are your hosts, Seth Price and Matt Barbet. Awesome. Welcome, guys. Yeah, we're really excited <laughs> to have you. Thanks. Um, so let's start off. I'd love for you to tell us about the work you're doing at Team Diva Partners. Um, oh. And do you call it Team Diva Partners? What do you call it? We, we actually are, are we're licensed as Team Diva Partners, but we really call ourselves Team Diva Real Estate. I love that. Got it. So tell us a little about, about your brokerage. Well, we're actually not a brokerage. We're a team under Coal Banker Bain. Mm-hmm. in Seattle, Washington. Awesome. But, but it's interesting that you say brokerage because we kind of run our team like a little mini brokerage. That's and true. there's um, Chavi and I, we're business partners and we own Team Diva Partners. Yep. Um, and then we have, at this point, we have three people that are working with us. We have two full-time agents and a newly hired I'm not going to use the word assistant, but we're calling him the um, Diva Desk Dude. Awesome. That's Got it. Title. Exactly. That's and great. Then, and then in the background, we also have like on retainer, like a, a bookkeeper, a videographer, someone who helps us with our content um, creation. But really, like we're a pretty small, scrappy team that does the production of a, of a, a bigger broker, team. Yeah. Of a, of a bigger brokerage. Frankly. Wow. I mean, it, it definitely sounds like you guys, you guys run it like a brokerage. You know? We do. Yeah, we do. And, we do. And it's, and we're really lucky to be with, um, with the company that we're with because they, I mean, they adore us so much and they, and we try to get back as far as training to our larger coal banker pain, but they really give us a lot of latitude to train, to recruit our team members, train our team members and market ourselves within as a big brand within a larger brand. Got it. And what, I mean, what were the factors that went into, you know, picking them or, or what's the kind of relationship like? Maybe that's a good place to start, oh, cool. you know? Well, well, the interesting thing is that I, I was a solo um, diva for many years. <laughs> so, and I've been working pretty much since my real estate career at Coal Banker Bain. Got it. Seattle. And then Chavi joined me in 2008 and we kind of started creating this team idea because when you're a solo person and then you have your partner join you, you kind of have to change your approach. You can't just be 
you know, me solo agent and chubby partner assistant. That didn't work at all. So we started the team concept then. And, you know, thankfully, because the recession, like it's way easier. And I'm just telling this to anyone. If you want to do something different, do it during the during recession. During the hard times, right? Because like you get a way more latitude. And I think Kim and I are pretty untraditional in our business approach. And we really wanted to do something. We, we really wanted to do something that was a little bit different. And we re- focused ourselves like we don't really think of ourselves as brokerage. We think of ourselves as like a small, like woman owned company. We're based in a retail store. We're out of like that, like big brand look, because that's like what our clients, that's what we want. And that's what our clients who come and find us. That's yeah. what they that's want. What they're looking exactly. And what's it like to work so closely with your partner? Like you guys. <laughs> that's a <laughs> We get often. And I mean, there's obviously there's pros and cons. There's lots of, you know, team partners who are couples or related. I think for Chavi and I, the, you know, the pros, which I always want to focus on first, is that we're we're completely united in our vision for the company. Yeah. And we're not always on the same page. I mean, we definitely bat around different ideas. There's a couple domestics that, you know, flare up every once in a while. (laughs) (laughs) But in general, we're, we're united and it's really, really easy for us to to be collaborative when we see each other all the time and we have the same goals personally and financially and business wise, you know, and then the slight negatives are that sometimes you just want some space from your (laughs) partner and you don't, you know, be in bed at 11 o'clock at night and have one of them go, "Um, I had this great idea about how we can market this listing. And you're like, can we talk about that tomorrow? (laughs) So it's I, enough said. Totally. For, yeah, you know. but, but in some respects, I mean, for Kim and I, this is just like a like we've always wanted to. When we the thing that everyone forgets is that we actually met working with each other, and so like it, to us, this is just like kind of a fulfillment of a long term dream that we've always had. You know, one of the things you guys said is that you founded uh, Team Diva in the recession. So, you know, some pretty rough times. What have you guys yeah. learned? that's different than when we're, we're sort of in boom time now? Well, I think the, the biggest, I mean, and Shabi could speak to this probably differently than I can. I think the biggest thing we've learned is that when you're in the middle of a recession, you have to kind of scrap everything that you thought was, this is the way I do business. And you have to kind of just kind of start over again in some ways. I mean, and that doesn't mean you throw out everything, but you have to evaluate everything you're doing and go through the process of going, is this worth me doing? Is this still effective? Or maybe I need to stop doing that and start doing something else. And you also kind of need to think outside the box a little bit more. I mean, it's easy when times are good. You've got business coming in. You don't have to maybe. You get a little lazy. You get a little lazy, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think I think uh, Marguerite said, like, there's a lot of just fat cats out there, out there right now. And they're not trying to prep themselves for the next market. And, you know, I think that for us, like, like, it's almost like, because we, we were able to create such a, like we, like our trajectory, like we look year over year from 2008 through now, we're looking at 20% over every year was a 20% increase Increase in business. business, Yeah. Yeah. And and without necessarily adding a ton of people to, to manage that business. So it's a, it's like, you don't get that, like there's rare moments. And I think in all of our careers, you get that, moment where you could be incredibly creative and scrap anything you could possibly 
thought was going to work and just try everything yeah. for you. Right. Yeah. Did you guys take anything out of, you know, that, that, that sort of process of scrapping things? Did you take anything out of that that you now use in your business every day, even though it's, you know, like times are, times are great? We, we don't like, you know, it's really interesting because I think there's a huge focus on times are great. Just like sit back and don't do it. And so the fascinating thing is for us is that, um, like we put like, you know, in order to sell a house during the recession as a listing agent, like you had to put all your chips on the table and you just had to work extra hard to get that sold. And I think the number one thing we do now, and the reason why I think we have like, like we've doubled our listing business this year mm-hmm. is really because we didn't let go of that. Yeah. We have the same mentality the same mentality yeah. and it's, and it's actually kind of a struggle because you find a lot of people coming to you with the attitude, like, well, this market is so strong and it's a seller's market. Why do I need to, why are you torturing me and making me do all these things <laughs> when I can just put my house on the market? And we're like, because that's not how we do business. I mean, our yeah. approach to doing businesses is to be consistent and be the best and make your houses shine and your marketing be top notch and extraordinary and go the extra mile, regardless of whether the house could sell in five minutes or 15 days. So if you have that approach, regardless of what market you're in, you'll be able to ride the wave. And I think it's a little bit of a challenge right now to work with people who just think that they don't really have to do anything and they can throw their house in the market and it's going to sell. And they're probably right, but it won't sell for as much. But it won't sell for as much. So is that the pitch? Like, is that, is that the like pitch to the sellers? Okay. I mean, yeah. Like we always want their house to sell for more than what it could sell for. And it's worth the extra effort. And because we have a track record of that happening in our business, we can show people that our houses sell for more than the Seattle average because we put more time and energy and work with them on making every house show the best as possible. And we do, and we're pretty good also about articulating that. I mean, cause I think a lot of agents like right now, for instance, I've, I've been noticing this specifically is like a lot of, I don't know if you noticed, there's been like a, like a lot of agents blogs have gotten become a little bit of a graveyard. There's nothing out there. Like yeah. con- content there's no wise. new content. And so like the thing that like, I mean, we used to have a way more t- like ton of time to like do blogs, blogs and, and do video. all this other stuff. And, but we don't have that time. So you, it's almost like, but you still want to do it. You just have to systematize it a little bit better. And I think we've been really good about specifically with our listings, like articulating everything extra we do and the financial results for our clients. Yeah. And just, Following through and actually doing what we say we're going to do, you know, whether it's a $200,000 condo or a million dollar house, they get all the same. They get everything. They get the video and the fancy photography and the restaging or the full fledged staging, the blog, the email marketing. I mean, it's it's all for everything and it's right. all the best that it could be. We talk a lot about and write about a lot about branding at Playster. And then when I look at what you guys have built, you seem to have a real strong sense of who you are. In fact, I've spent time with you, so I know you have a strong sense of who you are. Um, how did you like, is that just who you are? And I think more specifically, can someone else who's not, you know, a strong personality create that? Oh, that's, that's, that's a good that's question. A good, we get that question we, asked a lot. We, we do. Cause um, Kim and I like, um, back here, like at our mothership is what we call the, like we call us the satellite, the diva HQ. And then there's our mothership and we teach a lot of classes back at the mothership. And, um, it's a question that we get all the time. And like, it, the thing is, is that 
I think to be a successful real estate agent, you kind of have to have a fairly big personality to begin with. Like you have to be okay with like a constant level of rejection. So like, um, good point. I, I mean, I think that's just like, that's like base one. I think for like, like, I mean, a little bit, like we, we really know what our, we know who our clients are and we also know the clients we want to work with. So everything we do in our branding is specific to make sure that we are attracting those clients. Like for instance, I will never cold call. I kind of like them to come to me warm and fuzzy, fresh from Yelp. And they've seen the drag Queens on the website and they kind of want to be a diva dweller. Like I really like I that email. I want them to be like loving me like up front, I don't want to have to work for it. Like, yeah. and I don't know, I, mean, I don't mean to be lazy about it, but it's just like, I'm willing to put in the extra effort to really niche and like really state that like, this is who we are and this is who we like to work with. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think, you know, to piggyback on that, I don't think that every, every realtor needs to have a drag queen ambassador no. to, to, <laughs> to, do to do what we're doing. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah. I, I do feel like that a lot of, I, I think what we do is replicable, but I think a lot of agents are really afraid and maybe teams yeah. are afraid to be that niche, to be that upfront about who they are and to be like, you know what? I'm not the agent for everyone. I'm not going to make everyone happy. No. Not everyone is going to see me online and be like, I want to work with them. But the people who do choose to work with us, they are loyal committed diva dwellers for life and right. they love us. And to me, that's way more important than trying to hug the entire world by being something that's easy to digest for a bigger group of people. Or, or setting up like one of those paid online, just churn and burn churn type and of burn, businesses. Yeah. I mean, that's just like, it's like, totally not you know, yeah. those right. of us who love real estate, love people. And I want to, I really like, there's a vast number of clients that we've had that I'm like, Oh my gosh. Well, I, I love them. <laughs> like, I wish I could say that was true that everyone that loves real estate loves people. But no, that's true. Um, but <laughs> we particularly do love people. I mean, but do you think that's, is that a challenge for real estate in general, whether it's offline or online, like that finding of yes. who you are or that niche, or is it like just a digital problem like that? We I can't figure out how to do it digitally. I, I think it's, it's both. I think it's a, like it, the, I think the problem is, is that um, most people come into this business without a good understanding of who they are to begin with and like the clients they want. And so they just kind of adopt whatever corporate brand is kind of spoon fed to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, mean, I think that I think that's true. And I think also a bigger issue is a lot of agents don't really even have a brand like no. they don't act like their personal brand is like, hi, I'm Kim Colapretti realtor. Well, that's not a brand. That's your name. You know, like, <laughs> sure. You, I mean, like, I think developing an actual brand takes a lot of time and energy and a lot of self-reflection and focus. And then when you're a team, you have to even stretch beyond just like yourself and you and your partner or you, if you're a lone person building a team, have to think bigger picture than, mm -hmm. well, this is not just about me. Um, there's all these little moving parts and these other team people and how do they interplay in creating this brand? And I think a lot of people don't even, they don't even go to that step or they don't go past like, I'm going to get a logo and that's yeah. my brand. And I right. think until you have that, it's hard to create a niche like this yeah. or to create, I mean, if you go that step, I think it's easier to do this, but you have to go that step first. Right. I mean, I think you're, you're spot on in the sense that like, I, I, we think about it a lot, right. And my personal opinion is that like, you're spot on. Like it's a, it's a challenge the whole industry has, yeah. but like in, in many ways, like people inherit 
their niche from their their location. You know what I mean? Because yeah. like that's how they got people before. And digital doesn't re- really let you do that, right? Because yeah. there's yeah. no such thing as location um, no. on, on the web. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's some. Ahead, sorry. Oh no, I would say there's some old school agents I think that still work that way, like their their neighborhood. And I think you can create a brand around a neighborhood if you really, really live, breathe and work in that neighborhood. Like, you know, I'm going to go back to Marguerite again. I mean, she and Tacoma are interwoven together and it's very much part of who she is, but not every agent functions that way. And we're certainly kind of half and half because we do work in Capitol Hill and we do a lot of business in Capitol Hill, Seattle, and, and that we kind of live and breathe the vibrancy of that neighborhood, but it's not just about who we are. So we're not neighborhood specific as agents, you know, so let's say we buy into the brand and niching thing, which I a hundred percent do. Um, what's the best piece of advice for other real estate professionals trying to brand themselves and their companies? Well, that's a, it's a, that's a really interesting question. And here's the, the practice that we do with, um, some of the baby agents back at the mothership. Like we basically have them go through their list of clients and identify, the five clients they really love. And then from there, I mean, it's like basic branding. I mean, I don't think I'm saying anything that's special, but like really kind of identify what, what they like about them. And we did this with our friend, Roger Morris, who has a, he has Roger's neighborhood, like Mr. Roger's neighborhood is his brand. I love it. And and he's like this older gentleman with a sweater. I mean, this is like, he lives and breathes Mr. Rogers. And he's like, um, and we did this practice with him and it was so, and he's an older agent, older, old school agent. He, he, the car he's driving is the car he's going to die in basically. I mean, like this is like, but I mean, basically just kind of going through that practice, he identified the people, um, he really loved. He basically figured out the content. He started a blog. He's figured out the content he needed to do for that. He started doing videos and this gentleman's in his late fifties and like has created, was able to kind of step out from doing, um, you know, those kind of traditional real estate, traditional real estate to doing real estate with people that really loved him and got him. And it's like his, his enjoyment of the job is like tenfold. That's a lot. I mean, if yeah. you th- if you think about it, if we have to show up to work and you are loathing the customers that you're attracting, yeah, then something's right. wrong. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's and that's once again one of the biggest issues I think we have in real estate is we as agents don't know we don't trust ourselves to look inward and say you know I'm starting this business and this is my business and this is my choice to bring the people to me that I want to work with, not just work with everyone that walks in the door. Because especially in this digital age of online reviews and you're creating, you know, like you're kind of creating a fan base. I mean, that's what yeah. Chavi and I do. We create yeah. a fan base. And if you're not creating a fan base, if you're not creating people who are going to be love you longtime clients or refers or come to your events and be social and want to hang out with you, if you're not creating that sphere of people, then all you're doing is selling houses. And that's, that's not what this business is about now. Right. Right. I mean, so let's, I mean, let's dig into strategy just a little bit. And everyone always asks the question, which is like, you know, what's, you know, what should people be doing on digital? And, you know, th- so that's an interesting question, but I'm not going to ask you that one. Instead, I'm oh, really. So many great, like, things. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we can do that right oh, after. Because <laughs> the thing I'm super curious about is there are so many people out there who still don't really invest in digital, right? They don't do right. anything. Oh, so yeah. the, 
interesting question to me is what's the tipping point in their business that they should be paying attention to that says, wow, now is the time to like really start thinking about digital. Like in your <laughs> friend's example, like why, why that moment for him did oh, he move and say digital is now for me? Well, I, I think for Roger in particular, and he's, I mean, he's just one example. I think it got to the point where he was getting a lot of business, you know, from um, USAA. USAA or from people sending him this business through the company leads. Mm -hmm. And, and it was discouraging business. It wasn't necessarily matching. It wasn't people coming to him because they saw him online. And like Chavi said, warm, fuzzy lead saying, I want to work with Roger Morris, you know, or, or whoever the agent is. And after you work through a number of those deals, you kind of get beaten down a little bit by the fact that these are not necessarily, I mean, some of them might be love you longtime clients, but a lot of them aren't. And, you, and you're giving 40% of your commission back to whatever that referral base is. And so not only are you not creating a client base for yourself to sustain you, you're paying a lot of money for not a really an enjoyable experience. Yeah. Right. So I think at some point in order to start getting yourself that digital presence where you really have the choice of who you want to work with because you're getting enough people coming to you and the people that are coming to you are basically they've investigated you. They've Google stalked you, you know, to the nth, nth degree. And they know that you are the person they want to work with because there's not a lot hidden when you, when you come to team diva, yeah. you, you kind of know what you got right? There's not a lot of secrets around who you're going to be working with. We're easy to find online. We know um, who we are. We're very clear about how we do our business. And when people see that, they come to us and they know they want to work with us. So I think he was starting to realize, I need to just do more digital stuff. And he started with writing a blog. Now, a lot of people aren't really good at blog writing. That's fine. Come up with the ideas and hire someone to write a blog for you but in your voice with your ideas and your content. And I think that's the start is you've got to be generating the content. You just have to find a way to get a blog, start doing those videos and start doing blog writing. And I think that's the first easy step for people, but it's also the hardest step. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Con content creation is definitely a challenge for lots of folks. I mean, really? you, you and I have been at conferences where we talk about it and then yeah. folks go, well, where do I start? You know, and that's, no. that's a tough one. Um, so you guys, I want to talk about some of the things that you were going to answer with, like some of the, <laughs> the, the tactics and strategies. Yeah. Um, you guys do a lot of email. And I'm, yes. I'm curious, one, just your thesis about email marketing. Is it yeah. is it one of the more valuable things? And then how do you approach it? it? Is like, if there's like a moneymaker, like it's this email marketing. I mean, I was going to make a lewd joke, but I'm going to hold this to be the dollar bills for it. Okay? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like, I mean, basically, like, so like, it's a really cute story. Kim and I, once again, the recession is a great it's a great incubator is all I got to tell you. But um, we were in Portland and we walked into this super, super cute um store and they had this little email like sign up. I was like, all right, I'll get it. And then they literally like, as soon as they signed, wrote my little name down on their piece of paper, they started sending, they sent us, started sending these super cute emails. And I was like, God, this is so great. And at the time, like this was back in 2000, fall of 2008. And it was really difficult. I mean, at that point people were still doing like kind of the mail newsletters. I mean, I would say like, they still do that stuff, but, um, and I was like, we need to get content to our fan base 
sooner and quicker about the positive aspects of living in Seattle and why the Seattle market is different than the rest of the nation and why we as a team and like, and at the time it just really helped us kind of articulate like what our mission was. Like we're community based, we're here to support our small business friends and we're going to get through this recession. And that was like our message. And we just stayed consistent with that. And so at the time we didn't have a blog. And so like email marketing was our, was our only thing that we were using. And it was interesting because we, I mean, our idea of email marketing before we found Emma, which I don't know if a lot of people know about Emma, but it's similar to MailChimp or Constant yeah. Contact. Yeah. Before we discovered these cool, this cool tool called Emma, we were doing our email marketing the way that a lot of agents still do it, which is sending out static emails, yeah, PDF. PDFs, emails with our listing photos and some generic content and it would go out to like multiple thousands of agents who mostly promptly went into their spam and then got deleted and half these people were never going to see your listing anyway because they weren't even in your town. So the thing that was fascinating about Emma was not just that we could create something that was visually appealing, but that we could create something that was interactive, that we could track who was coming to, who was opening our email and see like how our people were responding on a regular basis to these emails. And it's been a constant process for us creating the best email marketing that we can create. And we're still convinced this is a most amazing it's, it's tool so, that hardly any agents are using. And and now like kind of fast forward, like, you know, we've been doing this for seven years. Um, now with our just listed, just sold blogs, we're like, we're starting to implement a whole program where we're doing just listed, just sold postcards out like traditional type of farming out to a sphere with a link that goes back to our blog and a lead capture program that will integrate them into our email yeah. marketing system. I mean, this is like, you know, years later, of course, many like, years later. no one starts off doing it like that, <laughs> but it's like, it, it just like, it, you know, and once some, someone sees it, I mean, they can opt in and they know that this brand is the right brand for them. And they know that we're going to be the best listing agents for them or they can opt out. I mean, it's just, it's such a great way to, to stay in contact with your people. And I think that's the reason why we have such a high, I think it's the reason why our clients leave a lot of Yelp reviews. And I think it's a reason why um, we have such a high client retention rate as well. And high client interaction too, because the emails are things that people at this point look forward. I mean, we have clients who look forward to getting our emails to know what's going on in the diva world because they're not buying a house with us and they miss kind of hanging out with us and knowing what's going on. (laughs) And they look forward to getting these emails every month. And we don't yeah, if yeah. we if we miss a month or if we skip a few weeks, they're like, "Where's the newsletter? And when am I going to get it?" Totally. And just to clarify, we don't ever send out real estate data because that stuff is boring. Yeah, we send out fun. <laughs> so <laughs> then, yeah. what do you send? So that's interesting. I figured, like, I figured it was these were listing updates, these are market reports. People, like, people just like they don't we care. Do, like, we, do, we do market our listings, but we try and do it as fun as creative way as yeah. possible. But I we see. do all kinds of crazy things. Like we just wrote a. Um, a Labor Day, you oh, know, really cute. bumper shoot blog, and then we wrote a uh, a gay, gay Labor Day bumper shoot or Labor Day blog, so that our gay clients could have like their approach to hanging out yeah. for Labor Day. Got we, it. I think the one that we had just recently that we had the highest click the water rate. saving. Yeah, one. so we did. It was really really funny. We basically we we had a um, like one of our drag queen friends. Um, did a drag queen how to save water because you know we're in the west coast we all in a drought and right. and we were, we were able to time it perfectly like the day that the city came out with their with um, their water saving the water their- saving 
we found all these really funny ways, like shower together, like, oh, no. <laughs> like, you know, we found these cute videos and then we had a drag queen, like basically write up like what to do, like, you know, d- who needs ice in your cocktail? That just dilutes the alcohol. Right. <laughs> so, like, and it was just like, I mean, those are just like, I mean, it makes people like, cause you want to provide content that's relevant, that's interesting and it's fun. I mean, right. like. You want people to read what, what you're, you're writing. Um, Got it. And we, are, we tend to be slightly irreverent, which yeah. hopefully people are okay with that. But, you know, that's also part of what we are is we, we present information in this humorous and easy to digestible way. But it's also relevant information. Yeah. Right. And I think that's a hard thing to do. It's in- also the self-selection process. Like yeah, exactly. anyone who doesn't love the emails that you send, they're probably not a good fit because you may say that in public as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And remember, I like my clients to come to me warm and fuzzy. I don't do cold calling or door knocking. Like, I just want to wake up in the day and see a cheerful email from someone who really loves me. Right. And everyone, for those of you guys who don't know Emma, it's myemma.com. Check it yeah, out. It's, it's myemma.com. Right. Yeah, it's very, and they're amazing. It's very, yeah. Yeah. I mean, their like, online tutorials are just like fantastic for people who are not tech savvy. I mean, Kim and I are not the most tech savvy people out there. So. Yeah. Yeah, they're great. They, they've been very, and they've also been very helpful. I mean, we're kind of lucky because we're very close to Portland that we've been able to go down there and kind of interact with them on a personal basis. And they're really helpful to, I mean, their tool is not set up for real estate agents necessarily. It's really for retail people and, you know, bigger box marketers, but they've been very helpful working with us and helping us hone our email marketing in a fashion that's just more effective over the years. That's Got right. It. Got it. So, I mean, on this topic of tools, yeah. let's imagine that I'm a totally brand new agent. Okay. What are like two or three kind of must have, it could be tools, but it could also be like places for me to invest in as uh, a new agent. Like what should I, I be I, thinking about? I mean, the number one tool we use on a daily basis is here is Evernote. I mean, like we, mm-hmm. Cause we have templates for like our client intake process. We have like, like how to write an offer. Every, I mean, everything possible to like kind of do your job. We've kind of documented in our Evernote, but I would say hands down, like, and I, we talk about this all the time and I even teach a class about this, but like you need to have a WordPress, you need a WordPress blog. Like, mm-hmm. and it's not expensive and it's not hard. And the thing is, is that most of the, and it's also interesting WordPress or, and the other fascinating thing too, cause in our blogging class, um, place that came up quite often mm-hmm. as the other second best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not WordPress, there's no competition in my heart. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, you need you basically you need, you need a blog that you can easily manage yourself. And I think if you're more creative, go with WordPress. And I think if you like like some of, I mean, I think the thing that's so amazing about Placesetter is that it will set you up as a neighborhood expert overnight. And whereas, like, if you're like where you're someone like Kim and I, you're gonna like troll at it for six months before you can be a neighborhood expert. I mean, like, it takes <laughs> yeah. longer. Like, so. Got it. So what about, what about brokers? So I get the individual piece, Hey, you've got to have a blog, but someone who already has a team, they've already got agents and they're trying to go, Hey, how do I take my digital presence from the standard business card? One that you see everywhere to one that's really dynamic. Interesting. Um, like, so to how to really like kind of up your game, it's, you know, it's so weird because Kim and I are super creative and we, we, um, we have a, we're really lucky that we live in Seattle and we have a lot of like really amazing kind of, and we, we have a huge artistic community of friends that we hang out with. So it feels second, it almost feels second nature not to have a cool brand. I mean, it's Seattle, but I mean, yeah. like, 
I mean, like, I, like, I hate to say it, but I see it all the time with my little baby agents when we choose the classes. And, like, the, I, mean, I don't think having a brokerage is much different than having a team. I mean, yeah. the bottom line is you need a clear brand. You need a website that is mobile friendly and easy to access. You need a blog. Even it's if you're a broker, I mean, a lot of brokerages don't have blogs, no, and I think they should. Yeah. Um, they don't want to take the time and energy to generate that content as a brokerage. Um, but I think it's, you know, whether you're a huge brokerage or a small brokerage, you need to be generating that content. They need to have videos and they need to have as many videos as possible. And we're trying to generate more videos, not just listing videos, but like how, you know, hands on buyer process, seller process, neighborhood videos. I think all those kind of things are content that a brokerage as well as a team, as well as an individual can generate to up their game. Yeah. And I think that like from a look, I mean, it's, um, it's funny cause like we've been doing a lot of research with like financial pro like companies like Merrill Lynch and so on. And it's like kind of appalling, like how lackluster these corporate brands are. And it's right. really different. I'm like, I want to find the team diva of financial <laughs> planning. And it doesn't exist. I mean, like, and then I, I mean, it doesn't exist, but at the same time I realized that's like people's most approach to real estate from a corporate standpoint, because they forget we're not a corporation. We are here to help people with their houses and they forget the people aspect of that. And like, it's not about the beautiful homes. It's about the, how do people interact with those houses and how do we kind of get that job done for them? So true. Yeah. So I want to talk about another key feature that I think I've heard you guys talk about, which is finding the people to work with recruiting. Um, yeah. So tell me how you think about that. Like, how do you find someone who's a good fit, who's also going to be really dynamic and actually do great work? Well, that's a great it's a topic of conversation because I'm getting ready to speak at the national and be on a panel at the national call banker gen blue conference. And this is one of the huge questions we always talk about at the team panel is how do you build your, how do you build a team? Yeah. Where do you start? How to build a team and how do you recruit? And for Chavi and I, it's probably once again, because we're so non-traditional, it's a very different approach than maybe a brokerage or your average person starting a team. So we really look for people who have a motivation to help other people, have a passion for what our vision is and what we're doing. And they don't have to have any real estate experience. And actually, we kind of prefer if they don't. to recruit people who don't have any real estate experience because I can teach anyone to write a contract or to show a house. Good point. Yeah, But I can't teach someone to be motivated to help people, to be passionate about what they're doing, to be empathetic to people in the situations that and the stresses that they're under when it comes to buying and selling a house. Those are things that are really hard to teach. And you also can't teach someone hustle. No. They either sure. have it or they <laughs> yes. no, it's yeah. true. Yeah. Um, and finding people with hustle and passion and the ability to the the ability to learn and the willingness to learn how to do real estate that's the hard factor. And for us, Chavi really and I look kind of within our sphere. I mean, we don't really put any advertising out there to hire people. People kind of come to us and we also work within the sphere of people we know. And we've been able really successfully to kind of pull in folks who already 
have a passion and desire to work in this realm, but don't necessarily have any experience. It's kind of like, I I, I would kind of second that, like in the same approach that we have towards attracting clients, we have towards attracting Attracting team members. members, Like I don't want to have to babysit. Like it's not my passion in life to like, like want this massive team where I could be like queen of the, like the D vets. I mean, like that's just not (laughs) interesting. I mean, I want to, I want to be around people who share my sense of humor, who like, you know, like really want to help people. And it's interesting because this morning, Kim and I, um, this woman came to us and she found us online and she's like, I really, really want to work with you. And I was like, well, we'll interview and see if like, you're going to be a good fit or not. And we were just like laid it out there. Like we, like we have high expectations. You will work all the time and you'll have fun. I mean, like that's pretty much like our attitude towards this. And if you can't handle that, this is not a, this is not a good fit for you. Yeah. I mean, what drives hiring for you guys? I mean, is it, is it, do you think about it from the perspective of, Hey, when I find good people, we'll make them offers and bring them on the team. No, I mean, I feel like a lot of brokerages right now are so focused on recruitment. They're not really recruiting the right people. And like, and like you and I, my friend, a friend of ours, Paul Kaplan in um, Palm Springs, like he, it was really interesting. Like he, with a very small team, did this um, same amount of production as our old branch office Mm -hmm. who had 60 agents. He had 12 agents. And I kind of believe if you have a smaller group of people who are dedicated, you can do so much more and have so much more fun in this business. Yeah. And I think that's the difference between being a team and a brokerage. We don't have, we don't have any chairs to fill. Right. We don't have desks to fill. We don't have any quotas to fill. We are, we are very organic in the way we bring people on. And, you know, one of the interesting things about the gal that came to us today is our basic approach was, well, we don't really need to hire anyone. So we're kind of even walking into this interview with convince me why I should make space for you because I don't need to hire anyone. And at the end of the interview, I was like, we were both like, yeah, this girl's good. This could be a good new person for us because she seems to have, have everything. One, she came to us motivated Two, she has, she answered all the questions that we asked her, you know, in the way we like, the way we like, (laughs) she seemed really motivated to want to be part of our team, not just a team, but our team. And that's the big difference. And the other thing too, that I just want to mention, Kim and I pay our team members way more than the average team does. And, um, and it's like, and and we get a lot of flack about this kind of in our team community. They're like, Oh, that's way too much. But I kind of feel like if you're going to invest all this time in a person to be, to basically work with you in the way you like to work with them, like what you got to keep them there and it's more money to lose them than it is to entertain them. them. Right. Right. Super costly to lose people that are really good. It is. It so is, is it? Oh, go yeah. ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay. I just want to say one of the things that I think people don't realize when they start a team is they think, oh, I have all this business and I need help. I'm going to start a team and that'll make my life easier. Well, um, in reality, starting a team and building a team is a way lot more work yeah. than just working on your own, especially when you're in the stage that we're in where you're just starting to grow your team because you're constantly mentoring and training people and working and working. working. Um, so I think that it's, it's a different kind of work, but it's still work. Right. Mm. Right. Yeah. And what about kind of zooming out? Like if you take the kind of modern brokerage today or modern team today, what Mm -hmm. can an agent do 
to really prepare themselves to be like a good fit. I mean, for 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 you guys, for sure, but also just kind of in general, like, you know, what is what's different about the what the new agents have to do today than oh, what they had to do 10 years ago or five years ago? Even. You know, it's interesting. I mean, I think everyone's seen this. We're seeing a lot of boomerang agents, like agents who like got out of the market in 2008, 2009, and they're coming back now. Yeah. But they didn't have that like transformational experience of working through the recession. <laughs> like sure. they never they never got their hustler badge is all I got to say. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, and it's interesting because like, sure, they know the contracts, they know they can swing a person, get a client right now and they, you know, they'll, they'll make a decent living. But the difference is, is that like, um, but when you talk about like with the modern agent, like you gotta have to like, um, it, I still feel like it's the same skill set as the agents back in like 20 years ago who were, who were door knocking and didn't have the, the generous goodness of, um, the online world to help them. But I mean, you still have to have that deep passion for people. You still have to have a certain level of drive and you really have to have an ability to adopt pretty quickly to a changing market. Cause I think moving forward in the future, the markets are going to change. Like we're in a good listing market, but I swear like in 18 months, it's going to be a buyer's market. And are you prepped for that? Yeah. Right. So as we wrap up, I'd love to know where you guys look for inspiration. Like, do you have favorite <laughs> marketing books or blogs or just, you know, places where you gather <laughs> info? Well, Chubby and I were just having this conversation because we we're in in all things diva. We are fairly untraditional where we go for inspiration. So it's funny because like, be good. Yeah, so <laughs> I go to all these conferences, and I mean we've we've seen you Seth at conferences, and we hear all these people talk about all these great books, these business books they're reading. I have just you know, in the past week picked up these seven habits of highly effective people and started reading it, even though people have been talking about this book for 20 years, because my natural inclination is to not go to those places for inspiration. You're yeah. barely past the first half. I'm barely past the first half. Because we, like, we feel like we exist in a much more, in a different space a little bit. I mean, like, it just, we don't come from a corporate, no, a traditional corporate background. We come, come from a nonprofit artsy background. Yeah, so we, like, there's a couple, but there are certain things that, like, I would say without a doubt, Twyla Tharp's The, um, the Creative um, Habit is, like, one of the most amazing books because she's not a corporate business person. And I packed, like, we just got back from Stockholm and Copenhagen and I packed a, a, a book that everyone's like this is one of the top business books you should have and I read the first like paragraph I was like she left so it so badly written <laughs> like, so bad I mean and I left it there. I was like, I'm not even, I'm not even like, you're not even worth hauling around. Like, like You left it there? Yeah. <laughs> left it but in our apartment. But then we picked up this other amazing book, which and you I, tell them about. And I, well, I think the big thing for us is that Chavi and I really, we love the arts community and we love travel. So a lot of our inspiration comes from the artists we meet, the dancers we interact with, the choreographers that we interact with, because we do a lot of stuff with, with dancers and um, choreo choreographers and the and, arts and, traveling, yeah. and traveling. And we were just interesting. We were just in Copenhagen and we went to the, um, Danish architecture center, um, in Copenhagen. And they had this amazing exhibit about a architecture firm called, and I know I might be butchering this name for our Scandinavian people. Please forgive me. It's called Snohetta is the name of the architecture firm. And they're a very well-known firm. They just finished the um, opera house in Oslo, which is getting international acclaim because it's yeah. design is stunning. We'll have to look at that. 
Yeah. And but they were like, well, they are part of this book about it's called idea work and it's about the creative process. And we were so enamored with this company and the whole the whole approach to the exhibit was how this company works collaboratively and how they have this lunch table that they all sit around and hash out all their ideas at the lunch table and they bring their clients in to sit at the lunch table with them. And when they were developing the opera house in Oslo, they didn't just hash through the initial ideas with their team. They brought in um, people who are actors and people who are musicians who are going to be working at the opera house and bringing them in to work through with them. How do they come to this vision? And it was really fascinating for Chavi and I because that's so much about what inspires us is that a collaborative approach to yeah. business. And you don't find a lot of businesses that work that way. And if they do, they don't really have a system or they don't really talk about it. So it was very inspirational to us to be in Copenhagen and being at this architectural center and to see this company that's kind of working that we feel like that's kind of a vision we have for how we work and see them executing these huge, yeah. beautiful architecture projects in this collaborative, hands-on, you know, eating lunch at the table together. That's I, it's awesome. kind of, yeah, it's one of those things, like, I feel like because everyone in the business community reads the same books, reads the same blogs, does the same stuff, you think the same. And if you really want to do something that's interesting and different, you gotta, gotta you have to get out of that, like, realm. That, like that realm a little bit and yeah. be inspired by something that's, like, untraditional. That makes complete sense. I love, yeah. we're just looking at it online as you were talking, um, beautiful kind of, images, amazing. Yeah. Well written, by the way, it's very well written, it's very pretty. And the thing that I love about it, the very last paragraph, it has the DIY punk. Oh, punk production. Punk production, which is like, don't wait for someone to do it, just, just do, do it. it. And I'm like, this is, ex <laughs> it's so, like people are like, well, I wasn't able to get a painter. I'm like, well, did you well, call someone else? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think for us, that's kind of like the bottom line of what it's all about. It's, it's like, like, just, just do just it. Just figure out and just hustle and get it done because yeah. that's the only way you're going to be successful in this business. <laughs> when they were buying for gold back in California in the olden days, no one knew how to do it. They just did it. Okay, figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, guys, I mean, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much. And what's what, real quick, like what's the best way for people to get in contact with what's your Twitter, LinkedIn, Twitter, what's, you know, what's the way to do it? Yeah. Well, we're at Twitter at Seattle divas is our Twitter handle. We're also at team diva real estate.com on the real. And then of course, like I would say, follow Kim on the Instagrams at, at Seattle diva, just single. And frankly, like, I mean, I know a lot of people use LinkedIn cause it's a great tool and all, but like, I really, I don't, I, I it just shows up. <laughs> like, so it's <laughs> It's better if you just tweet me. Like, that's how I met Seth. Yeah. Like, it's better yeah. if you just connect with us that way. <laughs> we love Twitter and yeah. we love and we love um, emails directly at you can email us at team diva real estate dot com. And, and I have to say, like, our, our Facebook business page is pretty sassy. Awesome. And it's, once again, it's just team <laughs> Seattle divas. Like, that's great. Thank you guys so much. Uh, can't wait to see you again soon. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Take care, you guys. Thanks. Take, Take care. You. OK, bye bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Genius Podcast. If you like what you've heard, be sure to write us a review on the iTunes store. 
For our full episode archive and access to exclusive bonus content, visit us online at playster.com slash podcast. If you have feedback about Marketing Genius or want to suggest topics and guests for future shows, drop us a line at podcast at playster.com. Don't settle for mediocre marketing. Become a marketing genius and start growing your real estate business online. The Marketing Genius Podcast is brought to you by Playster, the digital marketing platform for real estate professionals, brands, and organizations of all kinds. With beautiful websites, lead management tools, marketing automation, and an academy featuring the latest tools and tips, Playster offers real estate professionals everything they need to succeed online. Learn more at Playster.com.